Welcome to Slaughterhouse Stories. I hope you enjoy the stories I have for you tonight. Hello to all the things that go bump in the night. Hello to all you fleshbag humans as well. Welcome to the Slaughterhouse Stories Podcast, Episode 1, Birthday Clown. My name is Ghostream, your host, narrator, and sometimes author. I invite you to come on board this new show that brings you chilling and thrilling creepypastas from all across the spooky side of the internet. For a little under a year, I've been narrating stories on the Slaughterhouse Stories YouTube channel, and decided it was time to bring it into the podcast world. So I hope you enjoy the stories I have for you tonight. For our first episode, we'll be hearing two short, scary stories before we do our first weekly visit to Open Mic Night at Beazel Pub for two dark, horror-themed poems. And then ending this first episode with the feature, A Trip to the Funhouse, a monthly feature that brings you a clown-themed story that is sure to have some of you hiding under your blankets. Now let us start tonight's episode with one of my favorite creepypasta authors, Jay Deshen. She consistently writes some of the best creepypastas, and I always enjoy narrating them. I present to you her story about an artist who finds inspiration and tools for her art in very strange and horrific places. For your listening displeasure, my muse. Art, even that which is termed visual art, is not just to be seen, it is a multi-sensory experience. It just so happens that some sensations are only to be experienced by the artist. I believe it's this, beyond the act of creation, that links an artist so intimately with her work. I remember the first time I saw him, six feet of rippling muscle with soft pony hair that flapped in the breeze as he jogged through the park that morning. The sound of his deep, baritone voice saying, Yes, still echoes in my ears. And then the touch of his hand, softer than I would have guessed, as I led him up the back stairs to my studio. The taste of his tongue as we kissed, fresh and wet from a morning brushing. And finally, the musky scent that greeted me as I sought my prize. He was perfect. My inspiration. He inspired me to paint, as they all do. Sometimes, I do not know for what I desire them more, warming my bed or coloring my canvas. He was so lovely to work with as well, hardly a movement out of place, hardly a single interruption. As my muse, he ignited my senses once again. I salivated at the sight of his body, now fully revealed to me in all its glory. The satisfying squish of my brush delighted my ears as I dabbed it into this color and that. The roughness of the canvas, in stark contrast to his sweet skin. The burnt taste of the black coffee that fueled me to complete my work. And at last, the fumes of the paint thinner 
that waited for me to clean my brush between colors. The colors, the colors I saw in him, were greater in number than most would imagine. There were the pinks and yellows and browns one expects, but I saw so much more. This exquisite young man impressed me with a veritable rainbow of shades and hues. I needed to capture them all, steal them for my very own. I needed to immortalize them forever on my canvas. Immortalize him. The man himself was the masterpiece, but my loving recreation would not be far behind. I was sure. Sometimes, however, even the surest of roads has a bump or two. It was just as I was aiming my brush for a dollop of delicious red that I heard an unanticipated sound. It was my young man. He was moaning. I watched in surprise as his limbs began to move. What are you doing? I demanded. I couldn't understand the sudden change that had come over him. He had been so still up to now. The worst was yet to come. The moaning grew louder. He began to flail and thrash about. Soon he was screaming, throwing a verified tantrum, splashing my precious colors everywhere. I couldn't allow this to go on. Oh, how had I misjudged this man so horribly? I thought I was getting so good at making sure they were dead. A quick slice of the neck did the trick, and soon all was quiet again. I carefully examined my subject to ensure that all was still well with him. Oh good, I thought. Even with all that thrashing, he doesn't seem to have bloodied the fruit. I sat back down again behind my easel. After a quick reach inside my young man to ensure that his heart and lungs had totally ceased, I heaved a sigh of relief and resumed painting my still life. The blood that pooled in his flayed open stomach was quite a perfect match for a red delicious apple. I must say, even with our little slip-up, that beautiful fellow remains one of my favorite palettes I've ever worked with. I certainly never want to inspire anyone like that. But just because her art is murder doesn't mean it isn't art. For tonight's second story, we leave behind humans killing humans and step into the realm of the spooky, the realm of ghosts. A ghost story written by an unnamed author who wanted to show us that sometimes, much like Ouija boards, the old-time technology is best left alone. A young man playing with his grandfather's shortwave radio is about to get some unexpected results. I present to you, you'll be okay. In all honesty, I hated staying home alone. I admit, I was paranoid, and I still am. I always played it off like I was brave and strong, but that was only on the outside. Sure, my windows could lock, just as well as my doors. My lights could be on in every room, but I just never felt safe. I know that doesn't make sense. I know that just as well, but I couldn't convince myself of that. I always felt like something was watching me. I never had my back to an open space as much as I could. I'd turn around, reassure myself nothing was there, but it would still be the same feeling when I turned back around. That's the one terrifying flaw of human anatomy. Not being able to see what's behind you at any given moment. And trust me, it was really terrifying. Now I believed in the paranormal, and I'd had many encounters, and I was comfortable with most. Some entities were there to comfort me, and I take no shame in saying 
that I'd spent almost a month of my life talking to an entity named Charlie at night just to get to sleep. Charlie was a good man who had taken his life. He was just as mentally damaged as I was. And when I moved out of that house, I was sad to see him go. Never got to say goodbye. Going back to the staying home part of my brain, I encountered my first negative paranormal phenomenon when I was 12 and home alone. At that time, I was just getting used to being home alone. But you could bet I was super confident in proving to my parents that I was a strong young woman and ready for anything. I regret that. My grandfather was in the military during the war era, and because of this, he had some pretty nifty stuff laying around. He had passed away, but he left all his gadgets and stuff to me when I was growing up. These gadgets included shortwave radios that he had used to intercept and decipher enemy, as well as ally messages. He saved the lives of many by figuring out some group would strike a set area at a set time. And he did this all the time, listening to the dips and scatter of radio waves. The first time I turned on the shortwave radio was magical. The sound was so ethereal. It was the sound of the stuff we couldn't see. That technology allowed us to communicate and listen silently. I had sat there at Grandpa's old desk for hours, just twisting dials and listening for something. Eight, three, two, three, five, five, one. Grandpa had said that most of the things I would hear would just be tuning channels for stations, just for fun transmissions between fans of shortwave or military channels that were still in operation. He said not to worry about it too much, but he did say to report any foreign languages that were being spoken by a live person. He was still a bit paranoid after the war. Those numbers, just numbers, I thought. Maybe there were some hobbyist codes, or maybe it was just some random garble that had slipped between channels. But then I realized that was my phone number. Coincidence. Definitely in no connection to me. I was a 12-year-old girl. Why would any shortwave station be contacting me? 25, 15, 21. Numbers, just numbers. Wait, they had to mean something. Quickly working out the alphabet on my hands, I deciphered that as you. This was getting weird. Will. Whoa, that was loud. It was almost like a burst of static. I still kept firm to the coincidence theory, but I jotted down you and Will for good measure. I sat there listening like an idiot for another hour. What came next was just staticky dips and waves. And you know, radio. I listened carefully for peaks and words. B. That questioning tone made me believe the radio had just picked up some other broadcast. I've seen it happen before with certain paranormal investigating tools that scan for words that peak in radio broadcasts. Maybe it was a fluke. Or not. Okay. The radio stopped working. The knobs didn't turn anymore. Sure, it was half a decade old. Maybe they just died. You will be okay. That was in my mind as I nervously climbed the stairs to my bedroom. I left all the lights on. I slipped into my bed, and it just didn't feel right. I don't know what didn't feel right, but something was wrong. I felt the sheets lift up. A breeze. Maybe my window was open a tad. Yeah, that was it. I felt warmth creeping towards my arm. At this point, I was paralyzed. I didn't know if it was sleep paralysis or some random thing, but I didn't want to move anyway. You will be okay. 
The radio was louder than ever. I ran back downstairs and into the office. He was off. The knobs were still stuck and tuned to the same channel. I was going crazy. I had to be. I walked into the bathroom to splash some water on my face and relax. Across my chest, inscribed in deep red scratches, were the words I had feared the most for the last hour. You will be okay. As someone that has one, I must say that is an unusual way to get a chest tattoo. But at least it was free and had a positive message, right? Alright fiends, it is now time to take you into our weekly segment. Let's visit Open Mic Night at Beazel Pub. This week we have two back-to-back -back short poems that travel into the dark side of rhyme and decide to stay there for the rest of time. Our first poem gives you a rundown of how to best deal with the recently deceased in The Reason We Buried the Dead by an unnamed poet. And for the second, a poor whining human who doesn't like the transformation he goes through on a nightly basis. I know who I'm rooting for in Unleashed by Locked 334. What is dead must stay buried. What is freshly dead must be carried to the grave and down the hole where judgment begins on its soul. If this ritual is obscured, what comes of it cannot be cured. Its flesh will rot upon the ground and all that will be heard is a high-pitched sound. It will be reborn as a creature called by some the midnight shrieker. This thing will wander across your plains driving sane men to become insane. Your women will weep without care, and soon their eyes will be gone, along with their hair. Your cats and dogs will growl and hiss, as your children drown in their own piss. Your trees will burn, along with your house, while you play cat and mouse. With this creature of the night, you sure run with anger, panic, and fright. There is only three other ways to prevent this plague, besides putting them in a grave. Burn their body, and it will be done. Just don't do it under the sun, or you shall be cursed along with your kin for this dastardly and evil sin, or let the corpse rot out of sight, the second way to escape this fright. As long as it's tied to something, you will be fine. Just don't let it go at any time. The third way, despite its pleas, is to bury the corpse out at sea. The fish will eat its eyes and brain, so it won't hurt anyone again. Now, my children, don't be afraid of what was said, as long as you bury your dead. But if you don't, you should be stirred, because what's to come cannot be cured. The sun sets again, my shadow, my only friend. Memories of what had been, flooding inside again, curled up on the floor my body writhing even more. A demon within fights to be free from the fragile shell that's me. Flesh turns to fire in an instant when you're left with only pain. Rage, wishful power it can grant if you're ready to leave a bloodstain. Lose your humanity to the beast and cut through this road of apathy. 
forget love, peace, and honesty, because it's time to set it free. The moon casts an eerie glow, a voice telling me things I know. That voice in the back of my mind reminds me it is killing time. The line between good and evil is hard to find without a conscience to tell what's a crime. Anxiety creates ripples in your mind, taking a sense of place and time. Flesh turns to fire in an instant when you're left with only pain. Rage, wishful power you can grant if you're ready to leave a bloodstain. Lose your humanity to the beast and cut through this world of apathy. Forget love, peace, and honesty because it's time to set it free. The sun rises on a battered man, on his knees too weak to stand. He wakes to a day of tears again, right where it all began. Dead but somehow breathing, hanging on to life by thin strings, cursed to suffer this awful sting, until once again he becomes that thing. Horror and poetry go together so well. I'm going to enjoy the open mic nights every week, and I hope you will too. Otherwise, I'll just have to kill you. Wait, I just get a message from my lawyer, Mr. Morningstar, and apparently no, I will not be killing you. So let us move on to tonight's featured story. A father who has lived with the fear of clowns, being reminded exactly why you should be afraid of them. Hold on as we take a trip to the funhouse for a story by another unnamed author. This is Birthday Clown. It was my son's fifth birthday party. My wife and I knew it was an important birthday. Next year, our little Mikey would go to school, so this was sort of an end of an error, however short. After a lot of debating, we decided on a clown for the entertainment. I was against it. I was one of the many people who were afraid of clowns. As a kid, I trembled, shook, and started hyperventilating at the sight of one on television. But our son was not. Ever since Laura bought him some sort of computer game starring a clown, he had loved them. As a father, I knew what I had to do in order to make my little boy the happiest. If that meant ordering a clown, I would order a clown. Besides, besides, I was growing up. They didn't scare me anymore. Or so I hoped. The kids were playing in the yard, stuffing their faces with cake and snacks, and enjoying the world in the innocent way only kids can. Laura and I waited for the clown in the living room. He was already 30 minutes late, but you can't expect clowns to be punctual. Finally he arrived, carrying a large pink bag. He introduced himself as Bunko and sat on our couch. He really was your classic clown. White makeup, colorful puffy costume, big shoes, big red nose, an orange wig, the works. Laura asked if she could bring him anything. He declined. He sat in our living room for something like 15 minutes, smoking and tapping his shoe on the floor. He seemed nervous, and I could have sworn that I could see him drinking out of a flask. Is this your first time? I asked. He chuckled, and without looking at me, said, It always is. I did not understand what he meant. 
After finishing his smoke, he put on a happy clown grin, grabbed his bag and stood up. He gave me a tap on the back. I thought that it was possible that he had sensed my childhood fear and tried to relax me. Banco went outside and started the show. He juggled, told jokes, sprayed water around, did some classic slapstick. Even I had to admit he was good. And the kids were just entranced. And now for the big finish, he declared. He took out three colorful boxes from his bag. They looked like birthday presents. Pick one, birthday boy. Mikey was thinking. He looked so cute, like he was pretending to be an adult. Laura snapped a picture. He finally picked the middle one. Banco sighed and grabbed it. Oh boy, good choice, he said in a cartoony voice, though I swore I could hear some sadness in there. Banco opened the box and took out a knife. Laura and I were shocked, and before we could do anything, Banco started cutting his own face. Bits of makeup-covered skin fell to the ground. The children were screaming. Our little Mikey was covered in the clown's blood and crying. I tried to stop Banco, but he collapsed to the ground. The paramedics declared him dead. I looked inside the other boxes. In one was a small rifle, and in the other a can of lighter fluid and a box of matches. All the kids, including our little Mikey, had to go to therapy. We told the police, and they just looked at the floor ignoring us. I decided that I couldn't let this blow over. I tracked down the company that sent us the clown. I tracked down the company that sent us the clown. It was situated in a small two-story building. I expected a run-down, scary old place, but it was quite modern and neat. I marched to the manager's office, not letting anyone stop me. I looked around. In his office were blown up pictures of clowns with their faces cut off, heads cut off, bullet holes in their foreheads, faces burned off. It was terrible, and every picture had poor young children crying. The manager was a skinny man in a tie. He looked to be in his late forties and had big bulging eyes. Why are you even doing this? I yelled. He didn't answer, just laughed in my face. Two big guys came from behind me and dragged me out. I will find someone who will make you pay. I will not be silent. He smiled at me and motioned his goons to hold me in place. Do you love your family? He asked. Of course I do, I said. That's why I'm here. You made a mistake, sir, he said. Enjoy the rest of your life. It has been 43 days since then. I am still very afraid. What a story to end off the first episode. I know a lot of people out there are afraid of clowns, and hopefully now there are a few more. I hope you will join me again next week for more stories that are sure to keep you awake at night. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the stories I had for you tonight. And until next time. Stay spooky.